live from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Major Jamie Satterley, and here with me is the production coordinator for the Publications Department, Michelle Katsaris. How are you doing today, Michelle? Hi, I'm good. In today's podcast, we'll be sharing Michelle's interview with Beverly Santame. Now, Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about who Beverly is and why we chose to kind of highlight her here? Yeah, so Beverly is a very young girl. She, at the time of the interview, she was only 19. She might have turned 20 by now, but she is a college student and she is heavily involved in the Salvation Army. She grew up in the Salvation Army. She still helps out and she does her own thing, um, even at a core closer to her school because she lives six hours away from her family and she's still very active in the community and with her local core. So her message was just super important because we like to showcase the younger generations and everything they're doing and just kind of showing that, you know, the younger generations are going to be leading the Salvation Army one day. So we like to showcase that. And Beverly is definitely going to be one of those people. Like you have not heard the last of her (laughs) because she's just amazing. And it just shocked me how young she was to hear everything that she had accomplished so far. She's very mature, very smart. And her story was very interesting. Yeah, it's so exciting. I always love when we uh, highlight young people. And, you know, this is traces all the way back to the Army's roots with, you know, we had a 16 year old Eliza Shirley. And so uh, young people paving the way for the Army is not new. Um, so I'm really excited to hear what Beverly has to say and to, to keep an eye on her in the future. So uh, join along with me, listeners, as we listen to Michelle's uh, interview with Beverly. Beverly, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm 19 years old. I am the oldest of two from my parents, Jean and Stephanie, who are also officers of the Salvation Army at Westbury Corps. Um, I was born and raised in Long Island. I am bilingual, English and Haitian Creole. And yeah. And um, you said your parents were officers, but how did, is, did you always grow up in the Salvation Army or did you kind of the Army in a different way? Well, yeah, actually, I grew up in the Army. My father is a second-generation Salvationist. His younger sister is a third-generation. My mother is first-generation. So really, like, my entire life has been the Army. (laughs) So can you kind of tell us about your role in the Army? Like, what do you do? What are you working on? And There's no detail that's too small. So back when, before I lived in Rochester for school, um, I co-taught dance Sunday school, junior church. I helped out with brass band. I did beginner pea buzzing with the younger ones. I was part of the Timber Brigade. I helped with um, our before program feeding. So like when the kids would come to the core after school, like we would always have a meal prepared for them. We also do like food distributions. So I also helped with that. I answered the phone. Sometimes I help decorate when we have like special events. I also preach sometimes on Sundays if it's a youth Sunday. And I've also led the worship. Oh, wow. So you, you preach at your church. Is that normal for people your age? Actually, uh, kind of. At our core, um, we have something called Youth Sundays where it's just the youth that do everything. 
um, just to kind of um, get us used to, you know, if the officers leave or, yeah, if, you know, some situation happens and the adults can't do it, like, we're always right there to just step in. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of funny because I think we're almost conditioned to when you're out of high school, you're 18 and you are told you're an adult, but you are 19 and you just said it yourself. Oh, if the adults aren't there, we kind of take over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We we don't consider, well, at our core, we don't consider ourselves adults until we're like in our thirties. (laughs) <laughs> I'm the same way. You know, like, no, I totally get that. Um, I'm I'm not a salvationist, and I still feel that I'm like I'm a child. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Um, and so when you guys take over, and when you say like the use, um, what is that age gap usually? Like, how young are people when they start to kind of take charge and lead lead at your core? So it actually varies depending on what it is. Um, I as like the Sunday school teacher, I used to choose some kids to teach Sunday school themselves. And, you know, I would help them prepare for that. And it would start from like, as low as nine, to me being 19. And wow. And, you know, I bet that really helps too. Because if you are in a leading or leadership position, in any job in any place of the world, having good communication skills is so important and crucial. And I think sometimes we don't always learn that in, you know, in school. Yeah, definitely. Is that something that you feel like your core, your church uh, really pushes is being able to communicate and like speak in front of large amount of people? Yeah, definitely. Um, Us older ones, like we used to tell the younger ones all the time, like, we're not going to be here forever. You know, like we're here right now, but we have to start helping you guys to be in our position so that when we're not here, you can take over. And that way, like all the programs that we have at the core, they won't just die out. They'll keep going. And, you know, you'll pass it on to the younger ones after you and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's completely true. Because like we were just saying that, you know, sometimes the younger voices don't necessarily get heard. And again, not just in the Salvation Army, anywhere. And sometimes people don't take the younger generation seriously. So I think it's really cool that you guys are pushing to let them know that, you know, there's going to be a new wave of people in the future and you're going to be that new wave of people. So it's important to know how to speak and how to be heard. Yeah. What are some challenges you think that the Army is facing in today's world or even in the future? Today, because of the pandemic, I think we're starting to lose like our youths because we're not meeting all the time. Like we, (laughs) they used to say that the core was our second home because we were there all the time. Like even if we weren't doing programs, we were just there hanging out together. But now with COVID, that's kind of died away. And I feel like after COVID, it'll be really hard to pick that up again. What do you think they could do to pick that up? Like, what are some ideas that you have? Honestly, just outreach, just going out and into the community, knocking on doors, being like, we have these programs available. Even if we don't start right away with programs, just maybe an after school program to help them with homework or free childcare until the parents get home from work. Yeah, that's actually a wonderful idea, especially the free childcare part, because that's 
almost unheard of nowadays. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, but I saw a huge spike in people um, getting pregnant and giving birth during. Yes. <laughs> um, my own brother had a baby. Like, you know, it's a COVID baby. It's a quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is definitely a, a way to go, especially with the, because you bring in not only you know, you help those with the childcare, those children then get to learn the values of the Salvation Army, but then the parents do as well, just by proxy. And you never know what a word of mouth can do. You know, someone's going to say like, I get free childcare from here. And then they bring their friends. And it's a great way to bring in a whole new community that probably never heard of the Salvation Army to begin with. Yeah, it's a really great snowball effect. Yeah. Um, so what are some projects that you or your core or your family, any projects that you guys are currently working on? Um, well, the core, um, we do food distributions every week. Um, we have some organizations that donate food to us. So we prepare them into a box and we distribute it to whoever needs it in the community. Personally, I'm just focused on school and getting my career on the path that I want it to go in, um, but also discovering who I am and the impact I want to have on the world. Definitely. And you said that you are a nursing student, right? Yes. Wow. Well, good luck with that. (laughs) Um, And then you mentioned that your core does food distribution. Do you guys hand out food at the core or do you deliver the food? Well, it depends on the situation we do hand them out at the core like the line like wraps around blocks um for times um but also there's some people who physically cannot or they're too far and so we'll you know go and deliver them the boxes if we're able to Okay. And if someone was interested in the food delivery or even the food distribution um what is like the best way to find more information about that? Um, you can contact the core officers. I can give you the number for Stephanie St. May, 516-263-0361 or Jean St. May, 516-232-1729. And they'll be able to, you know, give you more information and direct you in whatever direction you need to go in. That's awesome. Because I think a lot of people, thank you for that. Because a lot of people know that the Salvation Army does that kind of stuff, but they don't know how to get a hold of someone, you know, to find out more. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of cores and a lot of territories, which means a lot of websites. And people get <laughs> confused. Definitely. And we also get confused with the family store a lot. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, even I do. <laughs> so I get that. Um, so who inspires you, you know, to do the work that you do that you do? <laughs> Um, I actually have a number of inspirations. My grandparents on my mother's side, my grandfather came to the States by boat. And we would always hear the story growing up of how he was drinking the sweat out of his shirt just to survive the trip. And um, that just always stuck with me because, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here because my aunts and uncles and my mom, like they wouldn't have come to the States. So. My grandpa, my grandmother, just because I love my grandma. Um, We've always been close growing up. My parents, just because they've worked hard. You know, they've worked extremely hard to make sure that me and my sibling had like a great childhood and we had everything that we needed and they've really provided even if like sometimes like they didn't want 
us to see them struggling. You know, they always were smiling through whatever it is that we were going through. Um, But also the kids at my core and in my neighborhood growing up, they just inspire me because they're always smiling no matter what it is. Like they're always coming to the core happy, even if they're having things going on at home. And it just, I just learn from them a lot. (laughs) And so I just want to, you know, hopefully inspire them as well to be able to leave the community and whatever stereotype that's written for us, like we could break those. Yeah. And um, you kind of inspired two more questions. You want, you said you want to be a mentor to the younger generations. Was there anyone who was a mentor to you when you were even younger than you are now? Yeah. Um, so the core officers who were at Westbury when I was growing up, specifically Major Lubin and his wife, Sister Eva, we called her. Ever since I was younger, like she would always come get me at my house and I would always be at the core with her. And just recently she graduated college with her master's in social work. And it's just really an inspiration because she's not, you know, she's not my age. She's obviously older, but she's still going to school and she's still, you know, getting her life where she wants her life to be, even though like she was in the army. They're retired now, but she, you know, she went back to school and she got her master's and now she's working as a social worker. And she's just amazing. I love her. (laughs) That's awesome. And then you also kind of mentioned, you know, that you want to help break the stereotypes. Can you elaborate on that more? Like, what are the stereotypes that you find that people in the Salvation Army um, kind of get? And like, what is your plan to help break them? Within the Army, as an officer's kid, Many people think like, like officers, kids live off of their parents and they like, they kind of don't have a life of their own, but I, I obviously I'm not living off my parents. I'm in Rochester for school. And I just want people to realize that officers, kids, they can do more than just be an officer's kid and be in the army, but also within the community, being African-American living in a lower socioeconomic area, people assume that, or it's not, we're not always given opportunities to leave the community. And so many of the stereotypes is not graduating high school and becoming a gangbanger or just working at McDonald's for the rest of your life. Like I want those kids to be like, she left the community so I can too, because it's not, written in the stars for us to just stay where we are right and that's definitely you know internationally you know there's there's good and bad places I want to say everywhere you know or lower income um, everywhere it's not just United States it's not just New York I don't think people realize that sometimes the world is so big and anyone can break that kind of glass ceiling that has been put on them um, because who who had the right to put that ceiling there in the first place, you know? Exactly. <laughs> um, so kind of going back a bit more personal, you know, what are some of your hobbies when you're not out there saving the world and breaking stereotypes? What are some things that you like to do to kind of unwind and recenter and, you know, connect with God? What are some things that you like to do outside of work? I have danced since I was seven. So dancing has always been a passion of mine. And it's always been something I've done just to kind of 
whatever emotion I was feeling, that's how I would communicate it. And that's how I would sort my thoughts in a way and kind of bring things into perspective. But when it comes to connecting with God, I connect with him through music. Many people find that weird, but it's just, I don't know, maybe it's because I've just been dancing for a long time. Like music is the way that I connect. So most of the time when I feel like I need like a spiritual uplift or a spiritual feeling, I just put on my Christian music. Um, I dance or I just lay down and just think and reflect. And when you say dance, um, what kind of dancing do you do? I started out as ballet, but then I quit that. <laughs> and I focused more on contemporary and hip hop, praise dance, Haitian dance, I guess you could call it. <laughs> really? Yeah. What makes that different, the Haitian dancing? What makes it different compared to, I, mean, I don't know, American dancing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, definitely the music because there's different beats within the songs that moves your body differently than I guess if you were listening to American music then you would dance right yeah did you did your parents teach you that or is it something you learned on your own um it's like a combination of both um my parents like my dad used to have this like really huge um cd collection of Haitian music and like we would always just put on a cd and just dance around the house um but it was also just watching videos and I guess you could say it's written in my DNA. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally understand that. And then what is um, an interesting fact about you that most people don't know? And it could be anything. I like to say that I'm bilingual. I think that's my superpower being able to speak another language. But I can say that I'm trying to learn sign language. Oh, wow. So right now, I guess that would be the most interesting thing about me, trying to figure out ASL. That's amazing. Well, it was so great to hear your story. Um, is there anything else that you kind of want our listeners or readers to know, whether it's Salvation Army or about you or just anything really? Any final comments? I just want everyone to know that the Salvation Army is here and it's something that was founded many years ago by William Booth and it's still something that's great and even if it's not known like being part of the younger generation like it's our job to make it known that there's this amazing organization out there that helps and actually helps all right thank you Michelle and thank you to Beverly for agreeing to be uh, interviewed for uh, the podcast so if you want to check out Michelle's full interview with Beverly, we would encourage you to check out the warcry.org or go to your local Salvation Army and pick up a hard copy of the magazine. It's going to be in the September issue, so you won't want to miss it. That's going to end this episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow the Warcry and Peer on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. See ya. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.